Welcome to the Girls Chase interview series. I'm your host, Chase Amante, founder of GirlsChase.com. The Girls Chase interview series brings you tips and tactics you can go out and use with girls today, straight from the tool bags of awesome Girls Chase coaches. This interview is with Hector Castillo. Hector is the most talented coach on the internet when it comes to getting laid in college. And he is hands down the bluntest guy I know when it comes to asking girls for sex. If you want a no BS approach to getting women, Hector's your guy. He wastes no time trying to be fancy or frilly with girls and prefers to get right to the point. It works too. In today's interview, I'm going to ask Hector to tell you about a little of what he does. And at the end of the interview, we'll tell you how you can sign up to coach with Hector directly. Welcome to the show, Hector. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. It's good to see you, Chase. Likewise. So you've been traveling about in Europe and are just now returning to the United States, I believe. What's your impression of how the women you meet in Europe compare to the women you meet back home? Um, pretty much girls are girls. I had a little bit of a, an impression that maybe the cultural differences might have them be less slutty or more slutty. I mean, that's really the only thing I'm really worried about, to be honest. Sure. Um, <laughs> Sluttier is better, in Hector's case. Well, no, you know, there's an impression that certain women like Eastern European women are going to be more faithful or something like that. Mm -hmm. I haven't found that to be true. Girls are girls. The only thing I really have seen is they have different barriers as to once you pass that with them, they'll be intimate with you. So like when we were in Romania, we kind of talked about how kissing was a big barrier for the girls. You know, they could come home with you and still not kiss you. But once they did, that was pretty much, you know... It was downhill from there, or uphill, actually. Yeah. Whereas in America, making out is kind of like shaking hands, I found out. But then, you know, they might do everything. And then when you get to their pants, they're like, okay, no, you know, let's not, let's not go there. So, yeah, just besides the initial barriers, and even that is only in outlier cases. For the most part, girls are girls, and, you know, they want to get laid, and they just want a, a cool guy to sleep with. So they're all the same, really. Right on. Can you tell me how you got your start with girls? So you were a video game nerd at the outset, right? Yeah, I didn't always used to have the ability to see the, what I just explained. You know, I kind of, I thought girls were these angels and I had to be the white knight to come save them. And uh, I didn't really learn my lesson for a long time because I was too busy playing video games, like you mentioned. I was the kid in middle school who was running around telling girls that I loved them or telling everyone but them that I loved them because I was too afraid to actually say it to the girl. And I thought that everyone else would have my best interest in mind and, you know, try and hook us up. But obviously they would use it against me. I mean, I would get bullied for it and made fun of. Kids are cruel. Yeah. Yeah. They're little sociopaths. I eventually learned my lesson when I was about 17. It was kind of a, a movie moment for me. This really, I thought, beautiful, popular, rich girl from the, you know, the nice part of town. She started chasing me really, really hard. And I think the fact that I was shy and kind of romantically stupid was endearing to her. And so she, uh, we went on this trip with a group and she started like texting me and just telling me how much she liked me. And a year before that, she'd even asked me if I wanted to be her boyfriend. And I was just so frozen with fear that I didn't even say yes. I know you had some similar experiences like that. And then eventually I did wake up and I kind of went for it, but then found out she had a boyfriend. And, you know, since I was such a good boy, I would hang out with her and she would just look at me and stare at me with, you know, hungry eyes. And I still wouldn't do anything because of my morals. And then eventually she got tired of it and we kind of ended things. And then I started chasing really, really hard. Obviously, that did not work at all. It pushed her away more. 
Then I entered a kind of a depressive period uh, for about six months. And then, you know, after not eating, starting to fail school, not really doing anything but laying in bed, a friend of mine recommended this book by Tucker Max called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. And obviously I'd never read anything like that. Just this guy just parting his balls off, sleeping with tons of new chicks of questionable morality and quality in a lot of cases, but just having fun and being a total asshole and and it actually worked. So I was like, okay, that's possible and girls seem to like it, why? So I started just experimenting and just going out more and trying to be more social. And then I got some initial success and then got my first girlfriend pretty quickly actually, but that ended also just as quickly. (laughs) Uh, And then the summer before college, I got a girlfriend and then eventually lost my virginity to her. But then it was when I broke up with her and really started to party and socialize in college. And it was just, it went crazy. I mean, just absolutely bonkers what I discovered. So it just started with heartbreak, like pretty much everybody else. Did you have anyone to coach you along the way or did you have to figure it out on your own? Besides his Tucker Max's writing, yeah, I didn't have any coaches. I would say that I learned from my competition big time. I would just pay attention to the guys who were beating me, who were taking away my girls. So there wasn't any really linear, like, hey, do this kind of teaching for me. I was just slamming my head against the wall. But then once I found Girls Chase, it was about, I'd say four years into my seduction career, if you put it that way, you know, you became my mentor. And then my progress just skyrocketed. I mean, I was having success. Definitely. I got really good on my own, but it was really slow and really brutal. So I wouldn't really recommend that path to any guys who aren't extreme masochists. But then after you, I ran into about three naturals who really became like uh, teachers of mine and would actually give me advice when I would ask. So I didn't have a mentor at first, but what made me great were mentors. Yeah. So if other guys want to attract guys like this, like your natural friends who are ladies, men to be their friends, is there an easy way for a guy to go out and get friends like this? Yeah. I mean, just don't be annoying. That's pretty much the rule. What I noticed from being the mentor is that guys either try too hard to kind of play cool, like they'll try to tease you and try to act like your buddy like way too quickly. And you can smell that because you know how people work or if they suck up to you. And so if you avoid those extremes, you can be their friend, which is the best way. That's the absolute best way to get their best material out of them. You could also be just a really an associate with a lot of positive value. You know, you can have money and pay them. That's one possibility. You can just pay them, but indirectly, like, you know, always be the guy who's out buying drinks for them or, you know, when you go around, you usually handle the bill and you're paying for advice. So it's really not that bad of a deal. But being a friend is the best way. Definitely. If, if you don't have quick access, you know, through an exchange of money for them to give you coaching. Okay. So I want to talk about college. You break college game down into three unique styles. So there's a big man on campus, slow burn and wild card. Does every guy out there have one style that suits him better than the others? Yeah, for sure. Wildcard is, it's not really something I can teach. It's more something that I mold. So it's, I can get a guy who already has a personality and I know that style is him and I kind of work with him on it. But with Big Mountain Campus and Slow Burn, it's definitely like you're going to, the extrovert or the introvert, or I guess more specifically, it's your energy levels. So if there's a low energy guy who really doesn't like to be loud, I'm not going to try and teach him Big Mountain Campus because he's just going to be really weird. It's just not going to match. I mean, anyone can change into anything. I myself an extreme extrovert and introvert, so I can go between the two. But I would recommend people just go with kind of their natural natural personality. And that's when you end up actually being natural, you know, the final goal. 
And then for the more extroverted kind of usually younger guys who don't mind being loud and usually find out who these guys are when you get them drunk. That's like the best way to tell because <laughs> um, they could be shy and they could say they're an introvert, but then you get some alcohol in them and they just go crazy. And like, I think you are an extrovert. You're just afraid to do it. So once you really find out their personality, that's when you definitely teach them one or the other. It depends on the personality 100%. So how does a guy learn how to really own one of these styles? So I I guess more specifically, like I was saying, so I had a student, he wanted to learn slow burn because he was in a small town and he was pretty mellow himself. And slow burn really lends itself to tight knit social circles because it's very low risk and guys won't really be able to tell that you're gaming. So I kind of taught him some of the mannerisms, some of the speech patterns and just ways of acting that a slow burn guy would. And it worked. You know, he slept with a few chicks right after we talked. One of them was actually the ex-girlfriend of his boss at the movie theater he was working at. And so we saw some success. It was working. But then he went to college and we had another coaching call. And he's like, you know, Hector, this is working. And everyone thinks I'm so mysterious and cool. But he also said that he felt like he couldn't keep himself from jumping on the walls. Like he just had so much energy. And at that moment, I was like, oh, you know, welcome to the club. You're an extrovert. You know, you need to be doing BMOC. You've got so much love in you. You just gotta, gotta let it out. So you just look at the anecdotes and the experience you have with trying different things and you find what works. You know, whatever feels right, that's the one that I end up teaching guys. So that's how they own it. They just, they make it a part of themselves and it just feels like, you know, a glove. Is there one of these styles that works better to get your results with girls than the others? Actually, interestingly enough, the guy with the highest lay count that I know of is pretty much archetypal slow burn. By the way, it doesn't mean that like you move slowly. It's more just about energy for guys who are wondering if you have to take girls on like five dates to be a slow burn. It's just about being low energy. But this guy was at about a thousand lays and I think he was like 32. And then the second best guy I know of was definitely BMOC. He was a bartender. He would bang models and club queens. So I would say that, yeah, you can have pretty equal success with both styles because this guy who was BMOC, he was younger and I think his quality was actually higher. So it's definitely not the, definitely not the style. Both of them work completely on their own. They're fantastic. So I would say they're both pretty good, but when you're first learning, you're trying to get as many reference points as possible and BMOC being high energy, you're going to end up talking to more people and you're going to get a lot more reference points. So more examples of, oh, I've seen this before, maybe I can try this now, or this worked before, let me try it again. I would say BMOC, you'll probably have a faster learning curve, but you'll crash and burn a lot more too. So you'll see more results, but also more failure probably, which is not a bad thing. So my next question was going to be about which of these you think is the easiest to use for new students. It sounds like probably uh, at least BMOC gets the most reference points. Is it the easiest to use? So I would say that it's the faster learning curve, but I don't think it's actually easier to use because of what I explained is that you're going to be crashing a lot more. So you're going to have emotional spikes. I mean, you know, learning this stuff is a journey. It's not just a a video game. I mean, you're going to have nights where things really don't go well. And with BMOC is you can end up doing a lot of crazy stuff and you can really embarrass yourself, which again, makes for the best stories. So I would definitely not dissuade guys from doing it. Some of my best stories are my are also horror stories. But in terms of ease of use, slow burn for sure, because it's so low risk. A lot of guys I know, they just need to chill out. They're too manic, they're too excitable, and not in a charismatic way, in just a social anxiety kind of way. So being of a slower demeanor, 
allows you to kind of like slow down. You know, when you're learning boxing, you can't really learn how to spar if you're closing your eyes and just kind of running around. You have to slow down, open your eyes, and you have to see where the punches are coming. So not to liken seduction to fighting, but I mean, social interactions definitely have a fighting element to them. When you're in a room, you need to be able to see everything and you can't see everything when you're talking really fast or you're trying too hard to think fast. If you just slow down and pay attention, you actually could learn a lot more easier. So ease of use, slow burn. Okay. So now we're going to talk about college game a little more later. But for now, I want to move on to what it's been like for you post-college life. So how easy or hard a time did you have it transitioning from college game to uh, what I guess you'd call a real world game? With social circle, I was a lot more prepared than I thought I was going to be. Even though I went to a small school in a small town, so you would think that there wouldn't be a lot of reference points. I, obviously being the crazy man I am, went through a lot and learned a lot about reputation, both extremes. So moving to the real world, a small social circle of like 10 to 15 people, like, oh, you know, I know exactly how this works. I can tell exactly who's the alpha, who I could probably sleep with, who needs to be treated this way and that way. It was easiest cake for me and actually helped me get really, really well established in a city and in the nightlife scene, almost to the level of people who had been doing it for years. And I did it, you know, in six months. So social circle, I adjusted really, really well. And cold approach, I mean, nobody does it, even at the bars. The guys who do cold approach are usually terrible or they're so drunk that even if they are good, they can't even speak. But cold approach day game, that's, it's like free lunch. So the little experience I had cold approaching on my campus and cold approach being of course when you walk up to a girl uh, that you don't know previously and, and introduce yourself to her yes yes exactly yeah just you two have would never run into each other except for the fact that you're walking up to her as a total stranger and saying hi and because i was able to do that even on a, a small campus it transitioned perfectly into the city life and then the reference points just built up really really quick because i didn't have to worry about reputation i could approach 30 girls in a day and none of them would know each other or hear about it so yeah i adjusted pretty quickly and i don't really see a difference between college game and real world game i just feel like a lot of people are afraid to do that transition but it's all the same really people are people so what's the biggest hang up you notice students have transitioning from college game to real world game yeah like i said they just they're afraid of transitioning so they give up it's just the the fear of it yeah yeah, exactly. It's the fear of it being different because the fact that we're even using these terms, you know, real world game and, and college game, the fact that we're distinguishing it and bifurcating it is proof that culturally we see them as different things, but really they're the same thing. It's people. The only difference is that in college is there's a concentration of eligible women around your age, which is even more of a reality in a city. There's more women. They're just not as concentrated in... Um, linear paths like going to class like you know there's going to be girls your age who are probably eligible going to class in a city you have to go and find them but there's more of them there so yeah they just they give up they just don't open their eyes and it's really sad so in addition to doing street stops where you stop a girl in the street and pick her up you were working at a popular california nightclub too so you've done college games street stops and nightclub insider game and which of these do you like the best oh man Honestly, if I was going for just pure abundance of hot chicks concentrated in one spot, it would be nightclub game. The numbers and the quality that I pulled and that the guys I know who also work in the industry pulled is just, it's astounding. Because life is about setup. And if you're putting yourself in a situation, you know you're going to run into 50 tents in one night. Like that's just 
that's a life of abundance without you even having to try. You just have to get into the door. But the downside is it has a dark side. The nightlife industry is very soul-sucking, and you meet some of the worst people on earth. Just absolute scum. So I would think that would be the thing that detracts me from, that keeps me from, from saying I like it the best. Street stops, then would definitely be king. I mean, college game's great. I love college, but it ends eventually. So street stops is the king. I met my current girlfriend at the airport. The hottest and most interesting chicks you meet during the day because they might be more rare and not as concentrated and ease of access as in a nightclub, but the quality is going to be much higher because probably don't go to nightclubs and you never would have met them if you didn't go approach them, which means that they're very exclusive girls. You would only meet them if you happen to run into their life or a friend of a friend or if you worked with them. And so day game. Yeah, that's the end all be all of game. Okay. I want to ask you about some of the techniques you specialize in. The first is what you call romantic projection, where you're projecting these fantasies you have onto her. So how does that work? Basically, you take your ideas of romance, which are hopefully not, you know, some Nicholas Sparks bullshit, which women actually really hate, and you project genuine romance into the conversation that you're having. It gives her a sense that this is more than just sex. This is romance, which includes sex. That's, that's a very important part. But it's at a whole nother level than just a hookup. So related to that is your fantasy detector technique. So you're pretty good at figuring out what girls' romantic and sexual fantasies are, uh, correct? Can you tell me a little bit about how you do this? Yeah, so this plays in directly to the romantic projection. I mean, you have to be projecting something. And so I like to give them a fantasy. And the best way to do this is elicit what she wants specifically. You get her thinking about what she wants or telling you what she wants. And she knows what she wants because she definitely spends a lot of nights alone hoping there was a guy to do the things to her that she's fantasizing about. So you take these things and you make them part of your romantic projection. So once you have these fantasies, you weave them into the courtship, as I understand it. So you're actually projecting your fantasies onto her while you also seek to embody her fantasies yourself, correct? Exactly. You're combining her fantasies with your projections, making you two part of the same dream. You're kind of a dream weaver. What's the effect of all this fantasizing back and forth? Do you both become lost in that dream world or what happens? So if you lose yourself too much into it, and that's what a lot of young, naive romantic guys do, they fail to keep one foot outside of the fantasy, it can kind of ruin it for her because you get too lost. You become the dreamer. And what's important is that you remember it's ultimately about her. You're the dream weaver and she's the dreamer. Like Casanova said, you know, you become the flame and she's the moth. You have to let her get drawn in and you have to be the one emitting the fire, the fantasy. So any guys who think, you know, oh, what about me? You won't be asking that if, if you know, she lets you defile her body <laughs> in any way that you see fit. You're not going to be you're not going to be worrying about if you're living out your fantasies or not. Cool. How quick do you find students are able to start using techniques like these? Is this one they have to study for a while, or are they able to go right out and do them? So unless I'm dealing with a guy who's had a lot of experience and is more advanced with women, I wait till the second or third week to teach them these techniques. Before then, I teach them some of the other techniques that we'll talk about soon so that you know they can go out and get some immediate results with women because they're very easy to employ. So another of your tactics is what you call the no buster. You use this to breeze past any girl who's telling you no to something. So how does that work? So this one I've been doing for a long time, actually. Basically, when a chick refuses compliance, you kind of follow through with her denial and make it seem like you knew she would deny you 
or that it really doesn't bother you, or even that it's it's your idea. It's really funny uh, to see them kind of double take and like, wait, what did he say? Or they even, um, they'll like straight up flip flop instantly and then give you what you wanted despite having just refused you. So I remember I was talking with this girl that I kind of dated off and on and I was coming back into town and we were talking and I, I suggested that we meet up and, you know, she was giving me shit for kind of being an asshole. <laughs> so uh, we were definitely in one of my asshole phases where she was kind of mad at me <laughs> and she said, you know, no, I, I don't think we should meet up. You know, I think it'll complicate things. And she starts feeding me all this bullshit. So I, I just feed it right back to her. Exactly. I say, yeah, you know what? I think it would be a bad idea. I think it would complicate our relationship if we met up. It's a good idea. You're right. And she just totally reversed. She's like, wait, what are you talking about? You know, why do you think it's a bad idea? <laughs> it starts asking me why it's a bad idea, even though she just explained why it's a bad idea. And then eventually, like, we're going to meet up now because I did that. So that's one situation where you use it. You can use it in, uh, I have four general times when you really want to use it. Two of them are LMR. That's really funny. When you have a girl basically, like, suggest that you leave, you just kind of agree with her. <laughs> She's like, you know what, I should get going. And you kind of look at her and go, yeah, you're right, you should get going. And then sometimes they'll be like, wait, you're not even mad that I want to leave. It's great. The other three are like, when she refuses to follow kind of a conversational thread and two other ones are when she just refuses compliance in another way. And so you just have specific no busters that you teach guys to use in all these major situations that guys encounter. Yeah, basically. And then they know just how to reply. Yeah, yeah. So you even have like the line yourself and then you can kind of just adjust to what she said because you really want to align with what she said and then you just add in a few lines of agreement that make it seem like you're thinking the same way that she was thinking. Cool. So, and then you have the sexual override, which is another way to get past resistance of yours. So how flexible is this technique and what kind of situations will you use this one in? So this is again, if a girl is refusing to do something, whether it's comply with requests, uh, a demand of yours, or even just respond to you in a way that you wanted her to, you can even do it when she outright challenges you or insults you if you unfortunately run into that. Or actually it's kind of fun. And then in response, you make it sexual. So it totally flips the conversation on its head because once she's so confused by the fact that you made something sexual that definitely wasn't and that was kind of negative. So that kind of short circuits her current flirtation because the only reason she's messing with you is it's flirting. You know, shit test is just flirting. And then also it makes her next thoughts sexual, which I mean, doesn't need to explain why that's good. if <laughs> You want her to be thinking about sex. So how powerful is this? pretty powerful. It can totally change the dynamic. I mean, you can leave a girl like I've seen girls mouths just drop open. Like, did you just say that? And as long as you stick with it, you're in a whole nother league. She's going to start acting like a little sex kitten for you after that. So for any situation where she's giving you some resistance, this is a nice way to turn it on its head. Exactly. Are there any girls you won't use the sexual override on? Uh, only the girls I don't want to have sex with. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So soft barriers is another well-worn technique for you. What is this and how does it work? Um, so you actually opened my eyes to this one when we were kind of troubleshooting my ultra direct game. Mm -hmm. So you put a barrier for her to overcome to get something that she would want instead of the usual situation in most seductions where the girl is making the guy kind of jump through hoops to impress her, maybe find some commonality between you two. You can even use it to get a girl to figure out the logistics of going back home on her own and do the work for you. 
So you just introduce a problem for her that she has to solve so that she can get something from you. So what situations are you most likely to use a soft barrier in? The ones that I really like, well, besides my ultra sexual game, where it's just when I want us to talk about sex, but for more normal situations, for people who aren't like me, it's with friends and you're not sure how to get rid of her friends or at least get around them. Maybe you're unsure if she's digging you and you want a low risk way to kind of get a reaction from her to see if she does like you. This is another way to kind of test the waters and dip your toes in to see if she's feeling sexual about you or is just kind of being polite. You can even use it if you're really just feeling lazy and you want her to do all the work for you. How do girls typically respond when you use these? So you're going to get three different responses. If she ignores it, it means she's not quite ready yet to overcome the barrier. She needs a little bit more warming up. So this is when you're going to start using the other techniques that I'm going to teach. If she throws the barrier back at you, it means she's kind of on the fence. She likes you, definitely. So you know you're in the game, but you need to do a little bit more work and get her to warm up a little bit more before she's doing the work for you to get you in bed. And again, you just keep using the different techniques and you keep talking to her to, to kind of lower her walls so that she's willing to jump over yours. But if she likes you and you've been doing everything that I'm teaching, she's going to overcome that barrier immediately. Like you're just going to see her just totally agree. She's going to say, oh yeah, I'll do this and just do it for you because she wants to make you happy. Very cool. So I want to take a quick break from technique and ask you about students. You've been teaching these techniques as well as your college game and sexual direct methods for a while now. Can you tell me about a case study? Just what kind of results you've seen, for instance, from one of your students? Yeah, so there was this really cool guy that I coached a while back. When we first started, he was a little bit shy, definitely more introverted mannerisms. So I started him on slow burn and kind of worked with him on eye contact and some of his fundamentals and then started working in some of the techniques of slow burn, how to kind of be in the room, but also one step out of the room. This is one really crucial thing I explained to him that really kind of made things click for him. Have one foot in this social interaction, one foot out. And he started to be able to watch the room and kind of work it without getting too excited because he, he did have that kind of nervous energy about him. So once he started doing that, he would actually come back to me the next week. That was one of the first things we worked on. And he came back to me the next week. And immediately, we had worked on fundamentals a little bit, but not too much. But I could tell already that his facial expressions were much softer, much more fluid. I mean, he even just, he sat up straight. He just seemed a lot more relaxed. Now, that might have been because he was getting laid, because I helped him get laid. But I could tell that his personality was shifting just within one call. And then the next call, he again, he slept with, I think, two or three new girls about within the next month. By then, he became a little bit more jubilant and a little bit more extroverted, but he kind of went back to the same energy he had, but now it was more fluid. So he kept the fluidity of being more chill and then went back to his more extroverted kind of higher energy. He lost the nervousness that was a part of it. And so teaching him this, these techniques and handling social circle, because that's what we really focused on in college game too. Yeah, he just got really better really quickly. And he was handling his reputation really well. And I was teaching him how to kind of navigate the bad boy reputation. Just within three, four calls, this kid had, I think, slept with eight new women and was a totally new guy by the fourth call. Awesome. And I think just to set the proper expectations, it's different for every guy, right? So some guys are getting laid a lot right off the bat, but some guys need a little more work. Yeah, he definitely had some natural skill about him before we started. And 
or I'm just a really great teacher. I don't know. <laughs> now, you have another technique you call daddying. Mind telling me what this is about? It sounds fun. Yeah, I really, really love this one. So to preface, it comes from a BDSM self relationship. So that's bondage, domination, sadomasochism, kind of a fringe group of society. But it's this specific type of relationship called daddy dom and littling. So it's where the guy is really a hyper dominant father or authority figure, and he treats his girl like his teenage daughter, basically. So some guys might have a strange reaction to this, but every girl I know who I do this to is absolutely in love with this. So when you start to do this, you're going to see just how kinky girls are. And it's a great thing to be, to open your eyes to. This is also why girls call guys daddy or poppy when they feel really submissive to them. It's much deeper than just these titles. And you essentially are taking care of this girl and you treat her like your little girl. And it ends up getting her really, really horny and kind of makes you think like you're her Christian Grey, but even better. Sounds like a really interesting technique. I can imagine some newer guys might have trouble getting into this, though. How long does it take your students, on average, before they're comfortable enough to treat girls this way, as this kind of father figure? Once they've slept with a few girls, they usually feel a little bit more comfortable with their dominant nature, and then they can start using the technique a little bit more effectively. With newer guys, though, I would wait a few calls to teach them this. So once a guy is doing it, what kind of results does this get him? Uh, you deeply, deeply convert women. They can fall in love with you pretty hard. They're going to be texting you all the time for sex. It's pretty intense. So I wouldn't do it with girls that you don't intend to make regular friends with benefits or even in a relationship. It actually, it's a great thing to do with a relationship. I think actually it sets a really, really good precedent for a girl that you eventually want to fall in love with or have as your girlfriend. And another thing I know you've zeroed in on teaching students lately is how to meta frame. This is huge. It's a huge technique. And if you can do it, you can outframe pretty much anyone. Before we talk about how you teach it to guys, do you mind telling our listeners what a meta frame is for anyone who's unfamiliar with it? So your frame is the way of seeing the world. We want something from someone else, whether it's their affection or respect. We need them to see that our frame is stronger, that they're going to get something better out of it and that it's more true. But this is kind of a tug of war. With meta framing, you stop playing the game and you play a different game altogether. You convince them basically that the tug of war of normal conversation is kind of futile or that they should actually be tugging on your side because they see it from, you know, a bird's eye view that your way of seeing the world and whatever it is that you're asking her to do or asking a person to do or what you want from people is actually the better thing. So you go above the discussion and actually make them aware of the conversation from a very meta point of view. Okay, now, this is some pretty advanced tech. So how do you teach it to guys and how quick to start using it are guys usually? Yeah, so this is the most advanced tech that I know of, to be honest. It's pretty much like thermonuclear warfare <laughs> in a frame battle. So first, I teach a guy how to understand another person's frame. You have to know what other people actually want. So, and specifically, you have to know what a girl wants in a situation from her being a girl and from what she's saying that she wants. Then I teach a guy how to have a firmer grasp on what they want, because that's very important. A lot of guys don't actually know what it is they want. So you need a clear vision of what you want out of a woman or a social situation. And then you learn how to make a path towards what it is you want. And then after that, I teach a guy how to express this without seeming like he's a salesman or without getting lost in the complexity of it himself, because there's a lot of mental variables going on. 
and you don't want the other person feeling like they're manipulated, which could happen if you sound too much like a salesman, like you're pitching them something. So yeah, this takes a little bit more time to figure out and implement. It's kind of like the end of seduction. It's like the king. It's like, once you can do this, you can pretty much handle any social situation. So yeah, it's going to take a few calls, but if they're doing the crash course with me or even the longer 12 week course, we eventually work up to it. And it's the last thing that I teach guys. What are some of the things Meta Framing allows you to do? So it's basically verbal jujitsu. You, uh, like you can take an angry guy, totally calm him down with just a few questions and then actually get him on your side. You can take a chick who's maybe disagreeing with you on something and then get her to forget about the fact that you're disagreeing and instead focus on trying to get in bed with you. Of course, implementing the other techniques into it. Or my favorite is you kind of bypass her anti-slut defense or any attainability problems that might keep her from sleeping with you as you close the deal. It's pretty trippy stuff. Are meta frames important to the sexual direct style you teach the guys? Yes, it's actually the end game. You know, in a video game, it's the final boss of sexually direct style. The most important part it plays is with my sexual direct style. The initial barrier is them wondering if they're slutty for agreeing to have sex with you so blatantly. You know, there's no indirect way, but you're putting it out there very directly. And they kind of wonder, am I a slut? So metaframing helps ease those possible barriers she might have. All right. Let me ask you this. Say you get a student who isn't quite ready to use sexual direct. He thinks that's too much for him. What will you have him doing to get the results he wants? Yeah, so sometimes we'll get a guy who's just not comfortable with being super sexually direct just yet. Before he gets to that, first I work on his sexual vibe to kind of get him thinking more sexually and have girls acting more sexually around him to show him that it's okay to be directly sexual. It's okay to actually talk about sex so directly to a woman. Then I work on his fundamentals, which is important for getting girls actually attracted to him and in conversation with him and interested in him. And then as the training wheels for being sexually direct, I teach them innuendo. The sexual vibe is really the key to this all, but it's the fundamentals that really change how women respond to him. And so those are the three things that I teach a guy before working him up to giving him the confidence because that's all he needs. He just needs the confidence to do it. And then once he starts doing it, he'll see the results. And then of course, if he comes in and he just wants to use the same kind of blunt overt sexual direct approach with girls that you do, then no problem to teach him that too. Oh yeah, we just get straight to it. Fantastic. Now, you're actually offering guys a choice of two different coaching packages, as I understand it. The first one is your standard coaching package. So that's a 12-week, one-hour-long call per week, one-on-one coaching package. And the 12-week course, you systematically work through a student's fears, hang-ups, struggles, and reservations, and teach him how to do what you do. The 12-week course is 1497, and you can take up to 10 students at any one time. And then the second one is your crash course package that you just mentioned earlier. So that's a four-week, eight-call package where you do two calls per week and aim to pack as much into a one-month period as humanly possible, just for the guys that are really in a big hurry. So the four-week crash course is 1097, and that one I think you can handle three students at a time, right? Yeah. So since it's so intense and we're packing so much really quickly, yeah, three students, I try to really give them individual focus attention. Okay. And so the offer you have right now is that you're offering to hop on a call with guys for free for 10 minutes and answer any questions they have about the program and make sure it's the right fit for them, correct? Yeah, I want as many guys as possible to give me their story and see if I can help them to see what I can do for them. 
Extremely cool. Now, can you give me a brief overview of exactly what a guy gets whenever he signs up for one of these courses? So for every guy who signs up with me, what we do is pick a time and day every week when it's convenient for him to hop on the phone and we schedule him up. I call, we hash through where he is, what he's doing, what's working and what isn't. Then we drill down to where he's getting with girls right now versus where he wants to end up. And we lay out a path for him to get there. I give him all my best strategies to help him get there from the three college game approaches, if he's in college, to running street stops that actually work if he does day game, and tips to get laid in bars from you know my time working in the nightclub if he does like doing nighttime game. To techniques of mine like romantic rejection, which lets you feel like she's living your fantasy. The fantasy detector, which allows you to know exactly what her fantasies are and then become that. The no buster, which makes it almost impossible for girls to say no to you. A sexual override, which lets you hurdle over resistance by making things pretty sexual. The soft barrier, which actually makes women chase you by setting up little obstacles and challenging them to overcome them. Daddying, really fun way to set yourself up as the dominant party and her as a submissive one, even with super strong-willed girls. The metaframe, which allows you to take command of any conversation, no matter how wild the girl. And of course, my patented sexual direct method, which gives you the power to cut through all of the BS and be straight with her about what you want in a really fun way and have her buy into it completely and go right along with it. And I give all of this to you in a custom tailored one-on-one phone coaching program stretched out over time so I can monitor your results and provide you specific feedback. And we go at a pace that makes sure you can learn what you need to without ever feeling rushed or getting left behind. Wow, that's an excellent program. Thank you, Hector. If you're listening to this, and if you're ready to talk to Hector about coaching with him, plug your info into the web form below this podcast. Let Hector know your city and time zone and what time you're available to do a call, and he will make a free 10-minute phone call to you to see if coaching with him is a fit for you and if you're a fit for the program. There is no commitment, and you can always decide if you don't want to do a coaching package after you talk to Hector, if you like. And I think, Hector, you're usually good about getting guys phone calls within 24 to 48 hours of them signing up, correct? Yeah, I respond usually within the same day. Fantastic. Thanks for hopping on the call with me today, Hector. It's been great talking with you again, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And that's a wrap. We just talked about a range of techniques from Hector Castillo designed to get you the girls you want. Club game, college game, street stops, and a whole lot more. And all of it available in a 12-week personalized course or in a four-week intensive crash course if you're in a real hurry. If you'd like to be able to use the sexual direct style on women or you just want to get better at club game or meeting college-aged girls, type in your information below. Hector will be back in touch with you within the next 48 hours. Thanks for joining us for another Girls Chase Date Coach interview. This is Chase Amante, and I hope you've had fun. See you next time.